during the whole process, there was doctors telling you guys to to murder her, right? Yes. Yeah. Before she was born, the doctors were like, you know, there's going to be a lot of issues ahead. Her having a heart issue and spina bifida and a clubbed foot, you know, there could be other neurological issues. There could be other defects. You might want to just kill her and start over. Welcome to Reformed Dads, where all things are for dads, through dads, and to dads, as well as the aspiring husband and father. I'm your man, Dusty Marshall. I'm a Christian husband, father, hip-hop artist, and co-founder of Irregular for Christ Ministries. As always, to my right, my man, Andrew, high school T. Song Cranes. Yeah, it's that basketball entrance, bro. I'm loving that. It gets me pumped, dude. Rockin' the Batman begins the Batman t-shirt. Yeah, yeah. Indeed, Michael Keaton Batman. Let's not get that Michael twisted. Michael Keaton Batman, and this is indeed a high school t-shirt. Indeed. Really is. Hey, we would like you guys to become part of our Patreon community. If you go to ref- uh, patreon.com slash reformdads, you get behind-the-scenes footage, access to full content, and you can join our book study, which is starting May 5th, and we're going to be going over Douglas Wilson's book, Why Children Matter, yep. Zoom call, so join it. That's patreon.com slash reformdads. Yep. Thank you guys who signed up, too. We couldn't do this without you guys. It's great. We appreciate you, man. And uh, we wanted to have an episode where we do our testimony. Uh, we hadn't done that, and uh, we want to tell you guys about us. We want uh, you to know why we do this show, where we come from, and uh, yeah, hopefully you want to know too. Yeah, I, I think people would be interested in that. I'm excited for this, Dusty. You got a really good testimony, man. Start start off, dude. Tell us tell us about you. What what started this whole movement for you? Yes. Yeah, so. Uh, don't come from a Christian background at all. Um, my family actually still isn't saved, but um, that's okay. I'm still praying for them. I love them, and we have a good relationship. Amen. But uh, right, ar- right around uh, junior high age for me, I started getting into drugs. I lived in inner city Los Angeles, um, got into marijuana, running the streets, hanging out with gang members. And then um, around that same time, my mom moved us out to the country. Mm. Um, she wanted to get us out of the bad neighborhood in the city, so she moved us out to the country. I, being an only child, however, didn't like that. I didn't have close friends. So I began to rebel, started smoking weed a lot, um, started get, I actually started selling weed. Um, I started dealing at age 15. In the country? In the country. Dang. Yeah. So I was dealing at 15, uh, started popping pills, got very addicted to prescription pills, and uh, just kind of went through my high school years, you know, selling and using. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, I ended up graduating. And uh, actually ended up getting a scholarship to attend a, a university. A functioning, a high-functioning uh, uh, addict. A high-functioning addict, yeah. yes. Okay. Um, so I went to college, and um, right around in, in my college years, uh, you know, ups and downs with drugs, back and forth. It wasn't like, I had the addiction, but it wasn't like dis- like it wasn't totally destroying my life like you said still kind of functioning yeah it's more of like a spiritual destruction at this time to where it's bringing you mentally and emotionally to a different place than physically your body is at or all the things you can try to handle in your life yeah i mean definitely trapped by my sin and addiction but like not realizing it yeah so things progressed i actually graduated college i started working and uh 
right about after I, I graduated college, um, within the same week, I had a very close friend uh, overdose mm. and another friend commit suicide within the same week. Wow, that's heavy, dude. That's, that's intense. It was intense. And, and my addiction at that time, it really elevated to a new level. I mean... It was just like every day, all day. Did, did it scare you at all? Did it make you think, well, maybe I shouldn't be doing this? Or maybe it's like, well, I'll just do less. Were you doing different drugs than that they were doing? Like you know, it should, it should have scared me into quitting. But at that point, I was just like, I was in despair. And I was using drugs as my okay. crutch. It was masking your emotions. It was masking yeah. it. Yeah, it was, a mas- it was masking me dealing with any problems. Yep, yep. But, you know, um, God works out all things for good and uh, this circumstance caused me to think about like changing my life Mm. and uh, I was like you know maybe if I change where I live (laughs) I can change I can fix my problems so not work on me but change my location jump over the problem exactly the the problem isn't me (laughs) it's where I live right so where am I gonna go to get sober what's the best place someone can go get sober I decided Las Vegas Nevada (laughs) City of Sin. Yeah, that's Here we come. that's that's where I'm gonna turn my life around and yeah. things are gonna change. So I packed up a car full of my stuff. I drove out to a friend's house, someone I knew a bit but wasn't close with. Mm-hmm. First day I got there, the water and power were off at the house. Not a good time. Both my roommates were addicts and there was mm. crazy stuff going on there. My bad situation turned to worse. Dang dude. Yeah, so just spiraling further and further downhill. I think I got sober for like two weeks before I moved out, but then like started to spiral downhill again. Yeah, yeah. Um, I met a girl online. Uh, you know, that's kind of online dating what I was into at the uh, time. No, online life. Online life, yeah. Just uh, in my room, getting high, going on the internet, mm-hmm. looking for love. Love. All the wrong places. Yes, all the wrong places. But I met this girl online and she, we had a brief, you know, relationship and uh, she told me, you know, that she was a Christian and didn't really think anything of it. Our relationship kind of disintegrated. But, um, you know, my addiction continued to progress. And one night, in the middle of the night, while I was coming down off of drugs, God gave me a moment of clarity. He showed me a glimpse of my sin. Wow. And that night, I just, my eyes were open and I could see my life for what it was. I could see my sinfulness. I could see my wickedness. I could see my life, which was just in shambles. And uh, for some reason, I ended up calling this girl I'd met in the middle of the night. And she was like, you know, if you're serious about getting clean, come to church Mm. and uh, I'll, I'll introduce you to some people who could help. Right. She didn't think I would show up. It was already five in the morning when I called her. You were already like coming down off the drug you were on. Yes. When you were looking at yourself in the mirror, literally, and God was just sh- showing you glimpses of your sin. You're like an emotional, what in the world is going on at the moment? Yes. Yeah. Yep. And I, I did, didn't know it was God at the time. I right. was just like, was like, what's happening? What's happening? I don't know what's wrong, but something has to change because my life is terrible. Wow. And I hate the person that Regeneration, I am. Regeneration, bro. Yes. Wow. Okay, yes. keep going, keep going. This is good. So she invited me to church and I show up and uh, it's a mega church. And um, I go to sit next to her and I thought I'm just going to meet her, right? Mm -hmm. But it turns out that her entire family is there. Her grandmother, her sister, (laughs) her sister's husband, all their kids are sitting there together. And then me, like sweaty mess coming into the church. Which makes sense. It's church. Yeah. You know, with your family. But that's that wide-eyed moment where you're just like, 
Yeah. Gulp. Gulp. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So I sit down next to her. Pastor starts preaching, and man, it's like he's talking directly to me, like mm-hmm. hitting me, hitting me, hitting wow. me. Breaks me down, like start crying in service, and just I'm a mess. Wow. After church, she's like, oh, let me take you back to the care department. I'll introduce you to some people who might be able to help. There's a guy back there. He starts telling me about this program they have called Celebrate Recovery, right. Christ-centered 12-step program. Mm-hmm. And he asked if he could pray for me. And I'm not a believer at the time. I'm like, I guess. Yeah. You know, why not? Whatever helps. Yeah. At this moment, anything to change my life, right? Right. Um, mm-hmm. So the the what I'm saying is the weight of the staying the same was outweighing the weight of changing at that time. You know what this is making me think of? A lot of the times if you watch those secular shows about addiction, uh, what they do is they talk about something called rock bottom. And someone always has to hit rock bottom. But what they fail to talk about is the true rock bottom is the spiritual realization that you are a sinner in need of a holy God to make that change. I know there are people who at a physical rock bottom and they do want to make changes in their life and God grants them and gives them that grace without actually them changing and handing their lives over to God. Sure. But what I'm hearing right here is there was not necessarily like that rock bottom to where you were homeless out on the streets no one's talking to you all of your relationships are gone people separate themselves from you no no no. it was something greater than that sure it was a spiritual rock bottom yes which literally is an act of god it's not an actual act that you do yourself right because in intervention and all those shows they're like you're hitting rock bottom you need to make this change you need to make that change no this is something that you can have no control over right which is a forced way Forced. To go through this, this it journey. wasn't God knocking on the door of my heart. No, no, no. It was God diving into the destructive life that was wow. mine and snatching me out of the water that I was drowning in yeah. and rescuing me. Yeah, breathing life into your lungs. Yes. Lovely, bro. Yes. So, so yeah, um, he invited me to celebrate recovery. I showed up the next week, got involved. Uh, never missed a group, went every single week, was committed to it, started going to church, uh, committed my life to Christ through the preaching of the gospel, and uh, got baptized later that year. And, um, you know, it's awesome how God works because the girl that I ended up calling in the middle of the night who told me to come to church the next day, she is now my wife. Bomb, dropping bombs. Boom. Boom. Wow, that's Crystal. That's Crystal. That's That's my wife. And um, Hmm. long journey, you know, I got sober in the program. She went through the program and uh, we graduated. And, you know, um, I had a a servant heart at the time, you know, and I wanted to help other people who are going through addiction struggles. So I I did some training and I started leading my own 12-step program at the church, Celebrate Recovery. Mm -hmm. My wife did the same. And, uh, you know... It, this was about 2013, uh, 2012, 2013 time. And then we decided to start our own ministry called A Regular for Christ Ministries, which uh, I was a secular rapper for a long time. I went by the name Irregular. Mm. And, oh, okay. uh, you know, I had, I, I had that gifting that God yeah. gave me, but I wanted to use that gift to glorify God. And my wife, Crystal, was a, uh, she can sing. She's, got a, she's a talented singer an and a painter too, yeah. and an artist. Yep. So we started our own ministry, and we would travel to different Celebrate Recovery groups. We would share our testimony. I would do music, and she would paint while I shared my testimony. That's pretty cool. 
yeah, at first we just like jumped in a car, right? Let's figure this out. Let's call some CRs. Let's go. Yeah. But uh, you know, it's, it's crazy how God works, like how our ministry actually began. Like we didn't have any plans to like how we're going to work this out or how it's going to work. We're like, we just have a willing heart. Wow. God opened the door for us. Don't you love that? And, ser- and from 2013 to now, we've been in full-time ministry. Wow. Praise God, dude. Yeah. It's and blessed it, me. Your ministry has blessed me immensely. And I learn things from you every single every single week, every single day, dude. So I, I love that, bro. I'm thankful to God for you. Thanks, man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Gl- glory to God, brother. Yeah. Solo day glory. Yes. And, uh, you know, so we started that ministry. We we're traveling the country, sharing our testimony. But you know what? Our marriage was a disaster in the beginning. Mm. Um, we weren't, we, I mean, we did Christian counseling. We had a counselor and stuff, but, um, like we would be sharing our testimony, coming off stage, fighting, and then going to the next place. Mm. Or we would be fighting. We wouldn't even talk to each other. Then wow. we put our Christian faces on and go in and do, you know, uh, ministry. Wow. It was so unhealthy. Yeah. But, um, you know, God uses, uh, God uses trials to refine and sanctify you. Mm-hmm. 2014, we found out our first daughter. We were really excited, but we found out that she had some major life-threatening issues. Um, right, she right. had spina bifida, and she had a major heart defect, that uh, heart issue that they monitored weekly. So what happened was they flew us out to uh, Colorado. We lived in Las Vegas. They flew us out to Colorado because they had specialists and a great doctor yep, uh, yep. there. We didn't qualify for the surgery that we were going to have while my daughter was still in the uterus. Oh, okay. Yeah, she was. we were going to have a that. corrective surgery while she was in the uterus to fix some things. Didn't qualify because of major heart issue. Oh, okay. Yeah, so yep. we didn't qualify, but we were like, you know what? The health care in Vegas is terrible. Let's <laughs> pray and see if God wants us to move to, um, uh, to Denver mm-hmm. and uh, get our care there. We prayed about it. God confirmed it for us. We moved out. We packed everything we owned into a storage unit, hmm. drove our car out. That was it. Wow. Lived in the Ronald McDonald house right across the street from the hospital, which is like a place for families who are yeah. having medical issues yeah. but have no place to go. Mm-hmm. We lived there for like 105 days, I think it was. Wow, that's yeah. quite some time. That's yes. almost four months. Yes. A over three months. Yeah, so we lived there until our daughter was born via C-section, and uh, she was born. And spina bifida is a neural tube defect where your spine is actually sticking out of your back. Mm. There's a hole in the back, and the spinal cord comes out of it. And um, she was born with spina bifida, and um, praise God, like, we were there at the hospital. They did surgery on her um, spina bifida and her her spine um, that same week. But you know what? God had a plan uh, with her heart issue where he was, you know, that was the major issue that we monitored weekly. But God healed her heart the day she was born because they did a scan of her heart the day she was born, completely healthy. Wow. No issues whatsoever. That's a miracle. It is a a miracle. up miracle. Miracle. Yep. They were ready... Probably ready, like right when she came out to do a heart surgery, right? Or well, something? well, it, it wasn't. They weren't going to do heart surgery, but it was. It was bad enough where they didn't know if they could do surgery on her oh. spine because they didn't know if her heart could handle wow. it. Wow! So, wow. heart healed, spinal surgery, surgery fixed that all wow. up, um, and. You know, we were doing ministry at that time, and we very much had a recovery testimony and music. 
But we, we promised God, we were like, God, if you get us through this, we're going to share the test amnesty's testimony. And that's our daughter's name, Amnesty. And, and yeah, and like, where did that lead to, too? Like, because uh, when, after, after she was born or during the whole process, there was doctors telling you guys to to murder her, right? Yes. Yeah. Before she was born, the doctors were like, you know, there's going to be a lot of issues ahead. Her having a heart issue and spina bifida and a clubbed foot, you know, there could be other neurological issues. There could be other defects. You might want to just kill her and start over from scratch, Mm. you know, have a perfectly healthy baby instead of a baby with Mm. heart issues or, you know, disabilities. And because mm. of our trust in God, that was not for us. Absolutely not. And right. we weren't going to murder our child. The Bible commands us not to murder. And uh, we trusted God. And she was born. We named her Amnesty, which God gave my wife her name in a dream. She mm-hmm. said uh, Amnesty was her name. And, you know, I'm not going to go into like a theological debate about dreams and all that. God speaks to my wife in dreams. That's that's what it is. Man, it's beautiful, bro. Like we have an uncertainty in your life where there's doctors who aren't necessarily following God and his sovereignty, his plan in your life. And they're saying because of this uncertainty, because of this trial and tribulation, in order to overcome it, you need to kill the child. Yep. It's almost like where you wanted to move um, away from your problem instead of dealing with instead your problem. Of dealing with it. Right. Like That's kind of what they're trying to do with yeah. you. But the, the beautiful thing is when you trust God through trials and tribulations, he's going to refine you through sanctification. Like it's a thousand times better because you are protected by the law of God, which says do not murder. Yep. And in the situation, although I know there was it was <clears throat> extremely difficult for you guys, of, of course, it's sure. a new thing you guys learn every single day, too, with amnesty. But. When you trust God, suffering isn't necessarily something that's always seen as a bad thing. It's sure. a it's a good thing in relationship to Christ. Absolutely. T- to suffer well is what we should be learning yep. over time. And what does suffering do? Romans 5, 3 to 5 tells us. Tell us, bro. Suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, mm. character, and mm. character, hope. Dang, dude. So it produces yes. hope. Why? Because we have our hope in something outside of us. It's not in our circumstances. As Paul would say, the present suffering of this time is not worthy to be compared Preach. with the glory that is to be revealed to us in Christ Jesus. We have a hope that is a firm foundation for our soul. It is an anchor. And it's by our faith we are saved. And God is so good, dude, because in that storm, you are held tightly by the anchor of Christ. That's right. And, and you know what? Through that time, God, the suffering, God strengthened our character because our, I told you our marriage was a mess, mm. but he sanctified us through that time because we had no other choice but to lean on God mm. and each other. And he really changed our hearts for the things that we would fight about, the things that we saw as big deals, we started to let go of, and, re- right. and God used that to change us. Mm. And he's continually using my children to sanctify me, to show me my selfishness, mm. and to see that there's things m- like more important than fighting about who's doing what or who did this or who did that. It's like, you know, God has called me to cherish my wife. He's called me to wash her in the word. Mm. He's called me to die as he died on the cross for his bride. I am to die to self, Ephesians 5, 25. Preach. So, so yeah, I mean, he (laughs) sanctified me through that process. Yes. She was born. 
she, we, she, we live, uh, a guy donated a motorhome to us to live in at that time so we could go travel the country and share wow. a testimony. We lived in that motorhome for nine months. I had never even ridden in a motorhome before that. We were living in one in the middle of winter in Denver, freezing outside, pipes freezing, and it was scary. It was crazy, but God got us through it and sanctified us through that. We shared our testimony all over the country. That was uh, 2014. Uh, my wife got pregnant again in 2015, Praise Noel, God. and uh, she's our little double portion. She was born <laughs> in 2016, Yes, and uh, we moved back to Vegas, and then God called us to move to Arizona a yeah. little while later, hmm. and moved out here, and uh, you know, went back on the road, started doing ministry again, and God opened our eyes to the American Holocaust going in our nation, Boom. babies being murdered, and people going and preaching the gospel at abortion mills through Apologia Studios and church. Praise God, dude. Yes. Praise God for that. And, you know, when I first saw their content, I was like, this is not loving. Like, this isn't what we should be doing. But God was like... I'm going to smash you again. <laughs> and he crushed me. And I realized that what they were doing was the most loving thing you could do for, to mothers and fathers Amen. is tell them the truth. Dang. Tell them not to murder and that what they're doing in their actions, they're on their way staggering to their own death. Wow, dude. A spiritual death. Wow. That's that's so true, bro. That was a good little apology at Studios plug there too. For anyone listening, if you've yeah. ever watched any of that content, go just go to YouTube, type in Apology of Studios or Jeff Durbin and you have hours of hours of content to listen to. Yep. End abortion now, End right? Abortion if now. you want to get your church connected. Yes. Um, so we, we got off the road. We were on a six month tour, got off the road, started attending Apology at Church when we got back from our tour doing ministry and um, yeah, met you the first day I showed up yeah. and that's been a little over two and a half years we've been going to the church, that we've been friends, and uh, here we are doing Reform Dance. I have three daughters now, not two. And, child uh, on the way? Child on the way. Four daughters. Wow. What's yeah. the date again? July? Well, four children. July 24th, right? Or Somewhere in, sometime in July, the end of July. Same, I think it's the same as my wife's birthday, so we've been like crossing our fingers like, it's come on birthday. Yep, so that's where we're at, and... Uh, doing reformed dads, sharing our testimony, trying to encourage other dads, um, point them to what scripture says, point them to Christ, point them to Christ biblical principles, book study. But uh, that's a little bit of my testimony, man. I want to wow. hear yours now. All right. So I love, I love Dusty's testimony because I, I hear the spontaneous regeneration that happened to him when he was looking in the mirror and God just showed him a glimpse of, glimpse of his sin and he was like broken and had to do something about it because when the Holy Spirit moves, the Holy Spirit moves Boom. and there's no stopping it. You can't. Uh, Jesus says the, the Spirit's like the wind. You don't know where it's coming from. You don't know That's where right. it goes. You don't know what it does. But if, what it does, it does and it does immensely. You always feel the wind hit you. So me, my story is not necessarily a spontaneous regeneration story. I did grow up in a Christian household. Um, I know my, I think one pivotal point in my life that I can remember and point back to, which sounds odd because I was so young, but when my father passed away when I was three years old, uh, I remember constantly going to church, right? Because church was always integral in our, in our family. Like I even remember the funeral that we had because mm. it was the church I actually started going to elementary school at Okay, same pastor and all that. But I always held on to when I was really young that because of Jesus, I will see my dad again. Right. I remember looking at a picture 
uh, of this like this old picture. I actually have it. My uncle went found it and sent it to me because wow. I was describing it to him. Yeah, he mailed it to me. It's of Jesus like in the clouds hugging this man. And it was in my uncle's house, and I remember staring at that and being just pretending like that's my dad hugging Jesus, right? Okay. Yeah. So, for for me, it's a little bit more complicated. I have like a prodigal son type of story to where I lived a life of debauchery. You're looking at a very wicked person right here. I'm a, such a sinful human being. I deserve death to the most immense degree. But yes, you do. Pray, yeah, but praise. So do I. Yes, praise God. Jesus took that for me. But to go back. Um, like, I, I remember specifically being at my aunt's wedding when I was around five, six years old, and I was giving the gospel to some Roman Catholic man, because their their um, ceremony was at a Roman Catholic church, and I remember being told to sit down, stand up so many times during yeah. the service, I had no idea yeah. what was going on, but I didn't know the differences between Roman Catholics and Christians, okay. I just loved to talk about Jesus. Yeah. And I would be in um, kindergarten, and I would tell people about Noah's Ark. Okay. We'd go bowling, and I'd tell people to repent because hell is real. You were an evangelist. Yeah, when I was really, young really young, really, really young, like God gave me that that courage, right? But uh, my mom ended up getting remarried when I was young, and we were actually living in Las Vegas, uh-huh. right? That's where I was born, Las Vegas, Nevada. So yes, uh, we ended up moving out to Albuquerque, New Mexico when I was eight years old. And um, by the time I was 13, my stepdad at the time ended up cheating on my mother right? This all has to do with my story because this is the way my life played out. And he was gone for all of these late hours and stuff like that. I was young. I was going to a Christian school and I remember going like, something is not right. I felt weird about this. Mm -hmm. I felt really weird. Uh, Ended up, I actually ended up catching him in the laundry room, kissing her and I ran out in the act and I ran out and told my mom in the backyard how how she ended up being in our laundry room and all that is another story. But that's what happened. And so my mom ended up getting a divorce and were we, you close with this guy? I was super close. Yeah. yeah, we okay. were we were all really heavily invested into our church. I went to school there. Okay. So uh, he they, was a, he was a Christian too. Yes, yes. Okay. And um yeah, so that happened and so we ended up moving to Phoenix, Arizona because my mom wanted to get out of that in okay. around 2003 and that's when I started going to uh, a charter school. And my school that I ended up going to was the school to where everyone who gets kicked out of public school you went to the goes to. School. Yeah, it sounds cool. Like the name is a cool name. It's an arts school, arts okay. uh, focus. But that's where I started just kind of being defiant in my life. I, I would... Uh, would you say it was like a bad company corrupts good character? Or would you just say a lost company goes into a, a character of people who are also lost? Yeah, and I was, and I was angry. Okay, um, yeah. I remember sitting yeah. uh, at times and saying, I want to hurt God. Like okay. I never denied Christ and his sacrifice. I knew You're what he did for with me. Him. Yeah, but I never really had a good solid understanding of God's sovereignty in suffering in the light of my situation. At first I was handling it well, uh-huh. but then I turned it into a life where I wanted to hurt God. It's mm. it's really bad. Like I remember specifically saying to myself, Who is God to judge me when he created sin itself? Okay. I, I, I wanted to sit myself on the, the, the other side the and judge him. Sheet. See, you but, wanted to be on the judgment but seat. But what's weird about the way I was is I still knew Jesus was God and I loved him, but I was angry. So sure. I always worry. Well, I don't always worry, but I would worry at a time in my life um, about three or four years ago where I was like, am I the man that's in the cage in uh, Pilgrim's Progress where he was saved or... 
God was given, not necessarily saved, but he was uh, given so much light, but then double-crossed the cross of God to where he's never granted repentance again. Okay. Like it says in Hebrews, was I that guy uh. because of the life I lived when I was a teenager? Because during that time, from 13, literally to 20, I went and, kind of like what you are saying, I was started smoking weed. Yeah. Smoking weed, I was then doing hallucinogenics, and I was yeah. doing massive amounts of hallucinogenics. Like, that was my choice. I first smoked crystal meth when I was 15 years old. Um, I wanted to do drugs to escape reality. Sure. But to yeah. also hurt God. And it's, it's crazy, because I remember at many times in my life when I was hallucinating, I'd cry out to God and say, Lord, if you just please get me through this, I'll stop. Ah. I'll stop. I'll stop. In but it was an escape thing. But it was an escape thing. It wasn't like a repentance thing. It wasn't like a repentance thing. And um, I ended up uh, getting through high school. I was a high-functioning addict as well. Okay. And it was easy just skating through it, doing my thing. Yeah. And then what happened was is I graduated high school. And I met a girl online. Uh, okay. uh, a year and a half later, we got married. Uh-huh. So her whole family, she was one of eight, was Mormon. Okay. Right? I was Christian. Uh, I, I knew something was off with Mormonism, but I didn't know exactly what. But throughout the time we were married... I grew a, a heart for these people. Uh-huh. Like I, I loved them dearly. You loved their family. I loved their family dearly. And we had a few conversations, and I remember being like, don't you think you can become a god one day? Like, yeah. The Bible doesn't really say that. But I never really With got, her family. With her family. Yeah. But I never got deeper than that. Okay. I wasn't uh, that versed in apologetics, right? Sure. So at that time as well, I ended up being like, hey, I want, I want to make my Christianity the main focus of my life. Uh, my wife at the time was an agnostic. She was a Jack Mormon, so she wasn't Mormon at all. Okay. Um, she ended up she she was kind of more into like Hinduism and stuff like okay. that, but not necessarily believing it, just but like like liking the lifestyle. Sure, sure. So I we had plenty of interesting conversations the whole time, and you know arguments. When you're not equally yoked, there is an issue that develops sure. from that. So. Sure. I ended up going to GCU, wanted to make Christian studies my focus, so I started going for Christian studies and psychology, started learning more about what I believe, right? Okay. And we started growing apart in that sense. That's I remember does, right? Yeah, I remember specifically one time giving her the gospel and telling her, you know, if if you don't repent and believe in Jesus, you're gonna go to hell. Like it was a very intense conversation that we sure. had. And but what I didn't realize though is that this I'm talking to someone who came out of Mormonism. Right, so my sensitivity wasn't all there. And when she thinks of repent and believe, she's, she's thinking, thinking something complete, totally different. Yeah. I'm not thinking along those terms. Yeah, I'm just, just giving like, her the gospel. I want her to know Christ. I want her to know freedom. Yeah, you know, I want her to have healed relationships with her family and stuff like that. So that was my main focus. But you know, I could have done it a little bit differently. And then after that, we just started drifting apart. Okay. Um, she ended up getting into a polyamorous relationship. We ended up splitting up and getting a divorce. Okay. So during that time, I'm still deeply rooted into GCU, going to school, going through a divorce because of the decisions that I made. Yeah. You know, and then um, I end up meeting uh, my wife now on Instagram. I was uh-huh. not looking for anybody. Like, I was just like, hey, I'm going on Instagram just because everyone's an artist with Instagram. Sure. You post a cool picture. Yeah. There's some tags on there. You're yeah, like, Bro, man. I know how to work. Look at me. An iPhone 4. I got a gallery. Yeah. This is like 2011. And so Casey ends up finding me on there. We're talking for a while. I'm like, I kind of like her. I think she's beautiful. So I talked to her quite a bit and I ended up having her fly out here to see me. We did things that are not good. Right. Right. Yeah. And I'm okay. still 
proclaiming Christ. Yeah. And then she ends up flying back. Three months later, I fly out there and meet her family and bring her back, and she moves in with me. Okay. And, yeah, we were, again, not living the way you should be as a Christian. Now, was she a believer at this time? Not necessarily, no, okay. but I had been giving her the gospel. Okay. This is so weird, dude. This, <laughs> okay. is, this is why... You're giving I'm, the gospel while you're actively I'm, sinning. Actively And sinning. loving your sin and telling yeah. her she needs to repent while <laughs> you're sinning at the same time. Right. Well, yeah, sure. and see, this is this is how my theology was, was really bad, like... I would say to people, like, I don't need to get married. God knows I'm going to be with her forever. What does a sure. ceremony in front of people mean? Right. Like, I developed these intricate theologies in my head that, or doctrines in my head that were not biblical at all. Well, yeah, it's, it's really just excuses that we make up for why we can go on sinning. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, just these excuses, bro. Yeah. Like, I had no solid man in my life. Sure. You know what I mean? No sure. one to slap me in the face and be like, what are you doing? Sure, I should have went and found a church by myself. I should have done those things when I was yes. in high school. But I was running from God and pointing my finger at him instead. Right. But God has his hand throughout all of this. He had protected me. There's probably many times where I should have died doing some drugs oh, I was yeah. doing. Me too, bro. And um, anyways, Casey ends up, who's my wife now, ends up getting pregnant, right? Okay. And then so... We go out to see my grandma, who ends up being very sick and she's dying. And my grandma was actually one of those those Christian people that I had throughout my whole life that was always solid. There. She was solid. And she yeah. goes, Andrew, you need to get married right now. So I just love my grandma for actually doing that, telling me something that I needed to do. Yes. Right? And I couldn't argue with her. Gave um, you the truth. Yeah. So we ended up getting married the very next day. <laughs> and... My my daughter was born a month later, Marley, and that was in 2014. So Marley was okay. born June 18th, 2014. And so not that long after that, the Lord was really like starting to work in our lives, right? Like I slowly started uh, just changing things that I was doing that I knew I shouldn't be doing, okay. right? Like, for, for example, uh, the Lord took drugs away from me. He forced this okay. from me. So... Around, I'm, I'm going to scoot back a little bit just before 2014, but around 2010, 2011 is when I stopped smoking marijuana. Okay. Because I was getting extreme panic attacks. And this was the drug that I held on to. I could quit all others, but this is the one I still wanted, right? Yeah. And what's interesting is that if you knew who I was and how much I smoked marijuana, like yeah. I was the guy who literally... I, I smoked so much of it constantly. Never think that it would ever bother me, right? But the Lord was giving me horrible dreams where I was pulling my teeth out and black stuff was using out of my gums. Oh. I was getting panic attacks to the point where I would vomit. Um, so I just stopped. Yeah, sometimes it gives you some health issues to take some things away from you. Yeah, and that's that's how I decided to look at it. I was like, the Lord made me, made me stop. And there was like times where I did it maybe once, twice, or three times after that. But sure. by this time, I'm not really smoking marijuana. I'm not yeah. smoking cigarettes. Uh, and You had some clarity. Yeah, I had some. Yeah, I also had some clarity, right? And I now I have a child. And this this really hit me, the fact of love. Like, love was something I didn't understand the fear aspect of love okay. until I had a child and I realized in that moment, this is the most amazing thing. This is the most terrifying thing that's ever Responsibility. happened Responsibility in my life. Yes. So I, and I wanted to be the dad that I never had, you know what I mean? And that, that hit me, it hit me hard. So yeah, around, let's say 
fast forward, I think it's around 2017 now. Um, I've graduated college. I had I got my bachelor's of science degree in psychology with uh-huh. a minor in biblical studies. And that was 2017. That was 2015, 16. I forget. Okay, I forget. I'm not even yeah. graduated. Yeah. But anyways, I have it. I'm yeah. working. Graduated. And yeah. I'm at work and I'm like, hey, I want to watch some Mormon and uh, Christian apologetic videos. Like I wanted to watch formal debates, but Jeff's videos popped up. Okay. And I was like, this is, looks familiar. Like that, that looks like a temple. I had been to that temple. I've been okay. inside that temple. Okay. I went to the Christian, or not the <laughs> Christmas lights at the temple with Mormons before. Okay. Right? So I was like, I've been there. This is great. These videos are awesome. So it's and a possibility, like Dr. White tried to hand you a track. Maybe, yeah. And like, I would not have been offended at all. I'm mean, like, sweet, this is great. But um, I, so I watched those videos. I'm like, this is great. Um, then all of a sudden, I started watching more videos from them, and I was yep. like, wow. And then I looked them up, and I was like, there's a church. Uh-huh. And my wife and I have been going to CC, CCV at this time. Yeah. And. Like, I was like, I think we need to make this change. The Lord is moving our heart in a certain direction. So we, I told my wife, I said, hey, if we start going here, this is this all out. Yeah. Like, there's no turning back. This is where we're going to be going. So we started watching a bunch of Apologia's content, and I was an Arminian, and I was actually definitely against Calvinism when okay. I was learning about it. But yep. by God's grace, I, like, watched through Jeff's Tulip series, and yes, God, so like, smacked me, bro. Yes. Talk about, like, saying I felt like I was born again again. Who knows? That could have been my actual conversion moment. Okay. Right? Who knows? Maybe I professed Christ my whole life, but I never really had that heart change. Right. I don't know. But what I do know now is after that, in realizing God's sovereignty, every puzzle picture of in my life, anything that ever happened to me all made sense. None of it was right. purposeless anymore. None of it was wasted. None of it was wasted, right? So we ended up being like, we're going there. It took Casey a little bit longer, uh-huh. but I remember coming home one day and she was watching Jeff talk to some atheists on the street at the Planned Parenthood. And she was like, yeah, this is great. I've been watching this stuff all day. Yes. I was like, bum Yeah, yeah same thing with my wife. Yeah, yep. so like, we're going. So we ended up going and... I, yeah, I was around that. It was like three or four months before you, I think. Three or okay. four months. And yep. what year was that? 2017. 2017, yeah. So 2017 is when we started going there and uh, wanted to get involved. We first started going to the Planned Parenthood in uh, Glendale. Yeah. And then we ended up getting more involved into like the Mormon outreach and stuff like yep. that, doing a cultish on the side and just trying to preach the gospel. Yes. Preach the gospel. Let's have the kingdom of God just come on earth in the sense of preaching the gospel yep. hearts and minds being changed the holy spirit just being magnified post mill bro post mill <laughs> that, that's what we're about and that that's one of my reasons why i am in reformed dads is like me growing up i know what it's like to not have a father sure. you know i know what it's like to try to be my own dad yes and that didn't work out like for me at all it was horrible and yeah. i live in we live in the society that's our generation exactly look at the fruit of fatherless. a fatherless nation. Fatherless, yeah. There, there's a quote I like to talk about. Uh, it's from the movie Fight Club, and it's by Chuck Palnick, who is an author. And he, it says, if our fathers are our models for God and our fathers bailed, what does that tell us about God? Right. Well, yeah. it was never God to begin with. Right. Right? It was just a bad father. Bad, yeah, it's a bad father. <laughs> it's a bad yeah. father who didn't yeah. follow God's rules. So with Reformed Dads, and we want to put out content where people can actually have a biblical man-centered point of reference to always point them back to Christ in order to lead their families correctly. Yes. And, you know, it's interesting you say that because my dad is not a believer. 
but his dad was a believer. Oh, wow. But his dad had many wives in oh. his lifetime, divorced, mm. and, and things treated him terribly. Mm. And, the you know, one of the reasons, not the reason, the reason that he doesn't believe in God is because he's in rebellion. Right. But definitely wasn't modeled a loving father as a Christian. In fact, it was modeled the opposite, and it pushed him to be angry. Yeah, and hardened view, his heart. And he views God that way. Yeah, his heart was hardened. His heart was hardened. Yep. And, uh, ex- you know, what? that's what we're doing, as you said. Like, we... First off, you and I aren't the model father. That's why we're doing this. That's why we're doing this, because we this need is, this, This too. is helping us. This is helping us. <laughs> yes. We research... Uh, biblical manhood, biblical fatherhood and parenting, and it's helping us with our parenting. Yes. And we wanted to expose some of that same knowledge to the people who are watching. Uh, we wanted to create a community on Facebook where dads go. can come together. We have our group yeah. where we can come together. We can pray for one another, give advice, point each other to other biblical men who we've learned from, like Paul Washer and Bodie Bauckham mm-hmm. and uh, Douglas Rusty Wilson, Thomas. Rusty Thomas, other godly men who've been doing this for a long time. Amen. We want to... Um, we want to learn from them, but essentially, they're all they're doing is pointing to what Scripture has to say. Yep, pointing to the King. Point to the King. So we have our Reformed Dads Huddle on Facebook, but then that's our Patreon group where we're going to do our book study. Yep. And the first book that we talked about, Douglas Wilson, Why, Why Children, Children Matter. Matter. Mm-hmm. Great book for parenting. I've learned a ton from it, and we just want to do life together with other dads, encourage them, be encouraged pray for one another, help be- bear each other's burdens. Mm. This show, you know, we talk about man manhood, we talk about parenthood and fathering, but it's really like meant to just draw people in, entertain them, give them biblical manhood, what it's about, yeah. what 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 it says, but this is just like the hey, we want to draw you in. This is the community that we're starting. This is why we're doing it. We care about other fathers. Um, we want to see them succeed. We want to see their children. We want to see them leave an inheritance to their children, Amen. not just a financial, but a spiritual inheritance to them. Love it. Raise them up in the way that they should go. Yep. And uh, you know, lead their families and lead their wives. Wash them in the Word. Yes. And uh, as we continue to grow. Hopefully, the others who come along with us in this continue to grow too. Yeah, let's let's die to ourselves together. Together, as we journey on this walk before yes. we meet the King of Kings when we die. Indeed. So yeah, that's what we're doing. Reformed dads. That's a bit of our testimony. As you can see from our past, God wasted <laughs> nothing. You had a love for Mormons in your past. Yeah. Now you're doing cultish and doing a Mormon outreach on the yeah. streets. Yeah. Uh, I have a daughter born with dis. Uh, health issues, disabilities, and the doctors wanted us to terminate her, and now I'm doing abortion mill ministry, sharing our testimony, and trying to equip churches to do the same, Mm -hmm. you know, go and preach the gospel and save babies. Yeah. Nothing was wasted. Nothing at all. None of it was meaningless or a chasing of the wind. Like Solomon says, it is meaningless in a chasing of the wind if you deny God. Yes, it is. Vanity, vanity, vanity repent and come to Christ to live. Yep. So, I think that's it. Yeah. And uh, we'll end this how I always end it. Comb out your beard in the way that it should grow and when it is long, it will not depart from it. Thanks for tuning in. God bless. Alright, dude. Nice, bro. Yep.
Got it. Surrender to his lordship. Don't extort the grace he's given. See, I'm blessed by the one Yahweh all day. I'm a wretched sinner. Deserve hell for all ways.